spend time reading my Bible, and uh, sometimes I'll wake up by myself at four in the morning uh, and get a, get a cup of coffee and just have to take care of the cats and stuff. But I'm coming to the end of the year, and I've been I've been ahead of schedule, so I've slowed down in Revelation. Most of you are familiar with the book of Revelation, the last book of the New Testament. Revelation is um, it's a, it's always been sort of an enigma to me to see how it begins with uh, seven letters to seven historical churches that really existed. We know those churches existed as in Asia Minor. Asia Minor was divided up into seven postal districts and the seven churches, the cities there, were the major metropolitan areas for those districts. And so you have seven letters that are written to seven historically located, geographically located, uh, physical churches of people, just like we are here. And yet, the book itself is part of a vision that John had. He was in the spirit of the Lord's day, and he saw a vision, and uh, he saw a a vision of the Lord. Uh, He fell on his face before the Lord, and then he began a series of visions where he saw the throne of the universe. That's probably the most important aspect of it. You have a picture of the throne, and you have a lot of things that take place before the throne, around the throne, from the throne, and everything is geared there around that throne. And you see the Lord God, the Almighty One, who is there. He is worshipped as the creator of everything. And um, what you have heaven taking place there. In, in the mystical realm, has seems to be somewhat strangely associated with seven historical churches. And I've often wondered, why, why do you have these two, uh, almost not opposite, but almost contrasting views? You have the physical churches on earth, and then you have the spiritual realm and the things that take place in heaven around the throne and stuff like that. And uh, I've been wondering that as I've been reading and reading through that, it's begun began to be kind of clear to me that we 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 live in a physical realm here today, but there is around us that we can't see a spiritual realm. And it's just as real as the physical realm. We're not supposed to try to make contact with it except by prayer, the the means that God has given us. We don't want to mess with the occult or anything like that. But you have those two realities. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they really exist. And um, it seems to me that in the book of Revelation, you have the perfect, maybe the perfect marriage of the physical with the spiritual realm, where you have the physical churches down here, and you have the spiritual realm, the things that take place in heaven around the throne that impact and have an effect on what takes place in the physical world. And uh, it's just it's fascinating to me as we go to the scriptures that over and over and over again we see the physical realm and how it is impacted and influenced by the things that happen in heaven and the things that take place with the Lord and with his angels and how though we don't see the angels and I would not, if the Lord would say, you want to see an angel, I'd say no because every time angels appear it scares you to death and they'd say fear not, 
I'm not here to hurt you or whatever. It's a terrible thing to see that, but that realm is real. And I don't guess there's any place where it is more real than in the gospel story that takes place in Luke chapter 2. You're familiar with it. I'll just read several of the verses here in my Bible. I'm going to be reading from the very very familiar Christmas story, uh, beginning in, I guess, just beginning in the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. All right, now we already were in space and time and history. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, a real emperor giving a real decree, making real statements about things that need to take place. Um, that, that decree went out in all the inhabited earth, and this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone who was, in, was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. So here you have the history. You have, um, my son mentioned already, Joseph, and then they were rushing because this decree had come out, and now it was an urgent thing, and there was a deadline probably, and they were trying to meet that. And so even though it was inconvenient, and I'm sure, um, if you can just bear with me, with me for a minute, I'm sure that Joseph was wondering, why is the Lord doing this? Uh, Mary is pregnant, and uh, this is the worst of the worst times when we have to go all the way up to Jerusalem now, and uh, it could be dangerous as well. Why, why can't we wait? to a different time or do it either earlier or later. You know how things work out, and sometimes it seems to be the most inconvenient time. But it was God's time, and the Lord had been working not only through uh, the emperor, and but he was also been working through the, the Mary and Joseph. Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and she was to be delivered. So they went up uh, from Galilee to the city of Nazareth. This takes place in the physical realm. They went to a city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and family of David. That's his historical lineage. Um, he, was in, he went up there in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. The days were completed. That's a normal process of pregnancy. Of, of, uh, of, he was conceived with the Holy Spirit, but she went through the process of delivering a child, a normal child. And uh, she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in uh, sw- King James says, swaddling clothes and strips of cloth. She laid him in a, a feeding trough because there was no room for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were some shepherds, and they were staying out in the fields. They were keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terribly frightened. So here you have now, all of a sudden, in space and time in history, the intervention of the spiritual realm into the physical realm, and these angels now appear in the physical realm, and they're there to make an announcement. They're there breaking into space and time in history with an announcement and a decision that has been made in heaven regarding the things on earth and the people on earth and the coming of the Messiah. It's a wonderful story. It's a true story, and uh, it's very interesting how these two things come together. And so it says that uh, the angel comes and does. Says the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. There again, uh, in space and time, that is today, this day, there has been born to you uh, in the city of uh, in Beth, in the city of David, in Bethlehem, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. That um, timing of 
said it happens today, but it has been on the planning stage for centuries and centuries and centuries. In fact, you can go into the book of Genesis all the way back to Genesis 3.15, when Adam and Eve sinned, and the Lord promised that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. At that point, God's alarm clock started ticking, and uh, the time was going down, and so finally it got to this moment, to this time, to this day, and at this time, the seed of the woman was now being born that was going to ultimately crush the head of the serpent. Heaven's plan, heaven's work, is now intervening into space and time and history and is affecting things, affecting those shepherds that were out there in that field and the things that they were thinking about and uh, the, the message was to them. This, this uh, will be a sign. By the way, this one that's born, just notice this. It says, there is born to you in this day, this day in the city of David a Savior, not a helper, but a savior. A savior is somebody who can't save himself. One of you in this day and said, David, a savior who is Christ, that, that is Messiah, the Lord, Jehovah. He is the anointed of Jehovah. This will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in cloth, swaddling clothes, or lying in cloth, wrapped in a manger, and feeding trough. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. And so, here you have just briefly one announcement of these angels, the majestic angels and the Shekinah glory that followed in heaven. This is probably, uh, I was listening to John, I think I shared that tape with you, and John thinks that, that that glory, that Shekinah glory, which appeared to the shepherds there at night, is the same kind of glory that led the children of Israel in the wilderness at night, the pillar of fire by night, and the pillar of, of cloud of smoke in the daytime. And uh, he thinks, and I think he's right, that that glory, that shining, was the shining that the Magi had seen some thousand miles away that same night when they saw that shining, and they knew it was not just from stars. It was something more. It was something in heaven that was that that was from God. And they began their, their search. It took them about a year, probably, to make it not to the manger, but to the house where the child was to worship him and to give him, give him gifts. But anyway, heaven interceding into earth. Uh, heaven is involved in earth. And the gospel is about that for us as well, because we are sinful people, but one day we're going to die, and we're going to stand before the Lord. And unless we are in Christ, we're going to, there's no hope for us. Our only hope is to be found in him. And we can come to him, and we can surrender our hearts and our lives to him. We can repent of our sin and ask him to be our Savior. And he will do that, and he will begin to work in our hearts and our lives. And we have a Bible that we should be reading and learning about him. We've already talked about that tonight. To get to know who he is, get to know what we are like, to see ourselves as we really are, and to realize the infinite mercy and grace that the God of the universe on the throne has displayed toward us sinners down here on earth. Um, one day we're going to be in heaven. We'll see those things. My wife is there now. Siggy is there. We're talking about Gladys, uh, and she is there. Uh, praising the Lord, and it's just a wonderful place to be, but you got you won't be able to stand there if you have sin in your life. And the Lord, in his infinite mercy and grace, heaven has interceded for us on our behalf, and this this uh, wonderful truth is available to each one of us. And I encourage you, if you're here tonight, this Christmas time, and you've not uh, bowed your head before the Lord and asked him to take over your life, to surrender your life to him, I urge you to do that. Whether you do it here or whether you do it when you go home, 
But make sure you do that. Make sure you make room in your day. Start this new year with a resolution that you're going to spend time in God's Word every day. It's really important um, that God's Word will change your heart and life. It'll make a real difference in you. You can't make that change yourself. That's what religion is. Religion is us trying to be something that we're not. We're trying to be religious. And that That's dead, and that's uh, that'll damn you. That'll make you feel good sometimes and bad other times, but it won't clear your conscience. It won't pay you to sin. Only God can do that. Only Christ can do that. So I encourage you to do that. So I want to just close with you in prayer, all right? Dear Father, thank you for this time. We can remember the Savior. Uh, we sing that song, Silent Night. And it uh, reminds us that there are sometimes in quiet moments, in the stillness of night, when there's not a lot of fanfare, we turn the TV off and it's quiet, that uh, things can happen. We can turn to you and we can open your word and we can spend time with you. Help us, help us to do that. Help us in this physical realm to get to know the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, the God that is on the throne, the God that is holy, and that he came and gave his son, his life for us on the cross, that we might be saved by trusting him and, and obeying him and following him. So I, I pray that you'll help us to do that. Thank you, Lord, that you 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 have had mercy on us. We were singing that tonight about your you and your holy name. You've had mercy on us, that if we'll come by faith and trust in you, you will save us, and that we will be with you forever in heaven. Thank you for that. Thank you for this time. Thank you for these people. Thank you for this wonderful time of the year. I ask your blessing now. I know they have some snacks or something in the back. I ask your blessing upon the snacks as well. And I pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Hang on just one second. Yeah. You're saying goodnight? Well, yeah. Um, Pastor Peter, we are very fortunate we have a shepherd like you. I know you don't like to be. <laughs> but, uh, no means. but we love you. I can... I can count for every one of us here that we love you so very much. Love you all. Um, we pray for you and uh, we are so blessed that Lord Jesus has given you um, this this church and we're, we're under you and we've learned, I, I mean I have learned we've had young people that's come and, and they've learned and they went away and, and someone pursuing ministry roles and stuff like that but, but we just want to say thank you and uh, you know, have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you.